Sing it with us. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit. Thou art well. Omnipotent Father. Sing it. It's an invitation for the Holy Spirit to move here today. Sing it. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome. Glory to God. Thou art welcome in this place. Sing it out. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace. Thou art with. Would you like to stand to your feet, lift your hands, and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Holy Spirit. Thou art in this place, Holy Spirit. Omnipotent Father, Now, Father, we know that when your Holy Spirit moves, miracles take place. When your Holy Spirit moves, Lord, there's a sovereign act of the Godhead. Lord, we invite you in this place in a very special way. Move here today by your Spirit. God, I don't want to get in the way. May flesh not get in the way. But Lord, we surrender to you to have your way in this auditorium today. Meet the needs of each and every individual. Touch hearts and lives. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray and we believe it. Sing it one more time. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. 
omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, Thou art welcome in this place. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you for being in church with us today. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. I love to go to church, don't you? I like to go to church. I like to go other places too. I like to go to Disney World. I enjoy going to Six Flags over Georgia. All those places. All the places that are very inviting. I once in a while I like to go to a movie. Very seldom. I guess I've gone to 20 movies in my, well, when I got saved at nine years old, I couldn't go watch Tom Mix because it was sinful. So I quit going to movies when I was nine years old. You couldn't go to movies. <laughs> I don't think there's anything going watching a good movie and clean movie. I enjoy it. But there's nothing like going to the house of the Lord with your brothers, brothers and sisters. Amen. So we're glad that you came to worship with us today. And those, as Christy's already said online, thank you for being here with us. I was going to do what Christy did, and I thought to myself, who better to do that than a mother? Who better to do that than someone that's been a teacher? So I appreciate that, and I appreciate the prayers that were prayed for all uh, the young men and women and all of those that's going to start the school or have, has started the school. We appreciate that so very much we really do. If you will, I would like for everyone to have an outline of the sermon. There's a couple of tables at the back on each side of the sound booth. Please feel free. We give them out usually, but because of where we are and all the things that's going on, uh, we don't hand them out. So we want everyone to have an outline. This past Father's Day, I preached from the book of Job. And what kind of father Job was. In all of my 51 years pastoring, I have never preached and used Job, the book of Job, and the life of her as a Father's Day sermon, but it was, uh, we did that. But this morning, I'd like also to look at the book of Job. It is a great book, one of the greatest uh, literature writings in all the world. And I would like to challenge you. I know my wife, about 30 years ago, Carol, taught on the book of Job. And she did about as good as anyone I've ever heard uh, on Job. And so I would encourage you to read the book of Job. Uh, get your commentary or get some help and, and read the book of Job. What I'd like to do this morning is talk about five, five, five mistakes that is recorded in this fabulous book, Five Mistakes. Look at the intro, if you will, on your paper. Job is introduced as an extremely rich man who is also God-fearing. Subjected to the loss of all he owned, Job still keeps his attitude of wholehearted devotion to God. Even when Job is subjected to personal physical suffering, he maintains his integrity and does not renounce God. And in this study, 
this morning, we will certainly look at five mistakes in the book of Job. Now, there are five characters, or, or several characters in the, book of, in the book of Job. First of all, you have God. And by the way, this really talks about at the end of Job, but especially uh, about the sovereignty of God. In fact, if you look under a lot of writers, the pre-writing is that uh, the subject is, is about man's suffering and, of course, the godly suffering and, and of course, uh, God's sovereignty. But you had God, Satan, Job, Job's wife, uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, Sophar, and Elihu. That's the characters that are found in this particular book. Let's just jump right in here and see what these five mistakes that were made. First of all, Satan made a mistake in thinking that Job served God for what he could get. And in the uh, Job chapter 1, and we'll look at verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, and we don't have time to go back through all of this again, uh, and said, does Job fear God for nothing? So Job thought or made the accusation that Job served God, and Job was a righteous man. Just the great outstanding characteristics of this man is, is just amazing. And Satan accused him, you're, you're serving, or he's serving you because you're good to him. In other words, Job would say to you this morning, you came to church because you're going to get something good out of it. And that's true, we do get something good. We come to church because we love God. Amen? We come to church because we love God. Satan thought that riches would make anyone serve the Lord. Now, over in uh, Deuteronomy, there's a couple of verses I find in the 28th chapter and the 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy. I love this. Look at it. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart, for the abundance of everything. This was the accusation brought against the children of Israel. God had blessed them. In fact, if you look at the next verse, verse 15 of chapter 32, look at it. But Jeshurun, which is Israel, grew fat and kicked. I love this description. You grew fat, you grew thick, you were or you are obese. Now, he's not talking about physical obese, obesity. He's talking about spiritual. You grew fat. You were blessed. You had plenty. And America, I mean, America, there's never been a nation like America. America has been blessed, fat, materialistically obese. And look at what he says here in this 15th verse. Then he, Israel, forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. Thumbs down on God. Now, since we've been blessed, since we have what we have, and all of these things going on, and that's what Satan was thinking. Hey, but look, if you will, B under Roman numeral number one, Satan implied every man has his price. You're simply 
doing what you're doing. You're simply going to church, paying your tithes, visiting the sick, witnessing. You're simply doing these things. Every man has their price. No one would work for God unless allured by benefits. How many of you know that's not true? Say a good amen. That's not true. In fact, someone said it this way. There are multitudes that will not sell their soul for any price. I just simply got a feeling today there's probably not one person sitting here that you would not sell out to the devil no matter what happened to you, even if you face things like Job. And probably all of us have had some bad times in our lives, but we did not sell out. We did not give up. We simply did not run up the white flag of surrender and said, okay, I'm changing God. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not doing those things. I'm not serving God. No. Can you imagine the thousands, tens of thousands, and millions of people that are being, that are being tormented, martyred, for their faith that will not give up faith in God no matter what the enemy does. Satan, you're a liar. Say amen. Job is mercenary. Job does not seek the glory of God. He seeks his own advantage. But he's not telling the truth because Job goes through all of these things and he stayed true to God. He did not give up. So Satan made a mistake in thinking that Job served God for what he could get. Number two, mistake number two. Job's wife made a mistake in thinking that when visible material things were lost, all was lost. All of us know the story. Most of us know the story. How that, And she was suffering too. They lost 10 children at one time. 10 fresh new graves at the same time. I mean, she lost children too. And a lot of times we were not careful, we'd too, be too hard on Mrs. Job. But she, after going through what she did, and Job sitting and just from his head to his feet, diseased, physically attacked, he lost his family, he lost everything he had, his camels, his donkey, donkeys, all that he had. You know what she said to Job? Why don't you listen listen to what she says? I love this this verse. She said, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to integrity? I'm telling you, over the years that we've been Christian, my wife and I, we've seen so many people that have been tried beyond measure, and they still held fast to their integrity. And once she said that, she said, Why don't you curse? God and die. Shake your fist in the face of God and say, no more, God. You've let all of these things happen to me. Why don't you curse God and die? Job's wife made that mistake. She thought if all, listen, let me tell you something. Material blessings are wonderful, but they don't keep us serving God. Listen, I believe it's important for us to understand that God is still true no matter where we are 
financially, materialistically, and all of those things. Hope has fled, she said. Brightness departed. We don't have any of these things anymore. We lost our house. We lost our car. We lost our bank account. Here we are. We don't hardly have enough money to even buy food for itself. We might as well not serve God. Not so. Job would listen. God is not fair, she said. God does not deal with fairness. He deals with justice. It's a good statement. A lot of people, they think God is not fair. God don't deal with fairness. He deals with justice. A lot of people want things to be, life is not fair. <laughs> you found that out? Life is not fair. There are a lot of things, but God certainly is just. Can you say amen? Fairness primarily focuses upon equity. In other words, everything being even. In other words, everything being You ever had your children, you have two or three children, and one say, that's not fair. You let John drive the car when he was 16. You won't let me drive the car when I'm 16. You're not being fair. Listen to me. There are times fairness in that measure don't work because maybe one hasn't matured like the other. This is life. But Jesus Christ certainly is just. Justice primarily involves righteous, righteousness and everything being done right. See, God makes sure everything. And you know what? He's a me he has a measuring stick. And you and I are treated with justice from God. Amen? Number three. Now, Job had four friends that came. In fact, uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and so far, they were three men that came when they had all this happened to Job. And so these men came to visit Job to comfort him. Wow. When you think about, <laughs> wow. Anyway, they came to comfort him. Did you know that they came and Job was suffering so physically, lost all that he had? Did you know they came and sat for seven days without saying anything, just sat in silence. Somebody says, what am I going to say to certain people when they lose a loved one, even a child? Sometimes it's best just to say nothing. Just love them. Just love them. But Eliphaz was one of the comforters that came. One of, quote, Job's friend. He made a mistake in thinking if Job was an honest man, he would not have been afflicted. Listen to uh, Job 4, 7, and 8. Remember now, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the upright ever cut off? Even as I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. There are times you can serve God and you can live for him, pay your tithes, go to church, uh, witness for the Lord. Things may not always happen the way you want them to happen. And just because you see someone suffering, or just because you see someone sick, just because you see someone in trouble, that don't mean that they've been bad. That don't mean that they have sinned, that they've gone against God. Eliphaz certainly 
made that mistake. He suggested that Job was not pure and upright since God did not appear to deliver him. We don't understand certain things. Why? You know, there are 365 questions in the book of Job. Why? Why, God? Why are we facing this? You ever ask that question? Why did this come on me? Why did the deer come out and hit my car? <laughs> All of the, Sometimes we ask, why did this happen? Why is my loved one sick? I sat with a dad 35 years ago at the corner of 54 and 55. I sat in a restaurant and we were talking. He had just lost his five-year-old son to cancer. That's one of the hardest, folks. That's one of the hardest. That dad sat across the table. He looked at me. He said, Pastor, I believe that God is all good and not all powerful or that he's all powerful and not all good. Because if my God was all powerful and all good, my son would not be dead. How do you answer that? We know that God is all powerful. We know that God is all good. But we don't understand some things. And the questions that we ask why, it may not, it may, there not, may not be an answer to it. We just simply trust God, have faith in God, no matter what comes our way. And then there was a young friend that came and counseled with them. His, he was, his name was uh, Elihu. It was another one. Elihu, Elihu made a mistake in thinking he was right and all the others wrong. Job 32, look at it. Job chapter 32, 14. Now he was not directed, I'm sorry. Now he has not directed his words against me. This is Elihu talking. So I will not answer him with your words. And then verse 38, for I am full of words. <laughs> I've met a few of those. Full of words. They're going to tell you all about it. They're going to tell you, have all the answers to your question. You ever met someone like that? He said, the spirit within me compels me. Well, Elihu made a mistake in thinking that he was right and everybody else was wrong. Listen to what we have. There are much truth in Elihu's speech. And as I read this, and I read commentators on it, uh, Elihu, Elihu had a lot of good things to say. But just because he had a lot of good things to say didn't mean he was necessarily right and everybody else was wrong. He was, there was much truth in Elihu's speech that Job's suffering had caused him to become arrogant as he tried to defend his innocence, Job. Yet he wrongly assumed that a correct response to suffering always brings healing and restoration and that suffering is always in some way connected to sin. And we know that's not true. God's a healer. God's a miracle work in God. I've, I've, I've seen people healed by the power of God, a terminal illness, and how God moved. And I don't know why he don't move every time like that, but I'm not to question him because he's sovereign and I'm not, and you're not. But this is what Elihu thought. And then last, Job made a mistake in assuming God was unkind. Look at Job chapter 6, verse 4. 
For the arrows of the Almighty are within me, Job said. My spirit drinks in their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Okay? The terrors of God. And Job thought, listen, if I... If God was what he's supposed to be, I wouldn't be suffering like this. I wouldn't have lost my children and all my livestock and my livelihood, and I would not be sick like I am. How could God do these things to a child of God? It rains on the just and the unjust alike. Look at it. God was blamed for this when it plainly says that Satan went forth from the presence of God and destroyed all Job's wealth, killed his seven sons and three daughters, and afflicted him with sore boils. But Job accused God of doing the work which clearly it was Satan that caused these things to come. Don't ever say that bad comes from God because it does not. Your adversary, Satan, is there to destroy, to afflict, to discourage you away from serving God. And it's not God that causes those things to happen. Now, I love this story. Love this story. Back and forth with these comforters. Back and forth with, uh, with Job. Back and forth with his wife. I mean, all this whole book is about the conversation, questions asked. Opinions expressed. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Look at um, Job chapter 38, verses 11, 1 through 11. I don't think I gave that to you, Tammy. I'm sorry. Listen to this. When Job, when his wife, when Eliphaz, and Bildad so far, Elihu, Satan, and all of them had expressed and had their say-so. Something happened. There was a whirlwind that began to swirl. Listen to what the Bible says. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. The whir somebody, some of them call it the whirlwind address. Listen, when everybody's had their say-so, when the newscasters had their say-so, when Washington has had their say-so, when the Kremlin has had their say-so, when everybody else has spoken, thought they had so much wisdom, then God said, hey, wisdom. Then God says, hey, let me say something. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts in this whole book. Out of the whirlwind. And here's what he says. This is with the NLT, the Living Translation. Listen at it. Who is this that questions my wisdom, God says, with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. Now, you've talked. you spent days discussing what's going on with Job. You've analyzed and you've had your opinion about what's See, that's all, you, that's all you see on the news today, their opinion. I'll be so glad when God stops a lot of these people's mouths. 
I'll be so glad when Congress has said all it can say and the Supreme Court has done all it can do. And the wise in our universities. And I'll be so glad when God says, wait a minute, I, I, I'm going to say something now. And they might say, but I'm going to, no, you, you, you just be quiet. Because I'm going to talk. Brace yourself like a man. Because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. There's going to come a day. They may not want to go to church. They may not want to have anything to do with God. But one day man is going to give in an answer to their God. To God Almighty. He says, I'm going to ask you something. And you're going to answer it. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Okay. The foundations of the earth. If you've ever studied the earth, the planets, the sun, the moon, please tell me how the earth just sits up there. And you know how fast it's turning? You know how fast the earth is turning? And you're not sitting there seats today and it's going around 1,000 miles per hour. This earth. And we can sit just comfortable. It's called gravity. Gravity holds it so far from the sun. And if it got closer to the sun, there'd be no life. If it got further, we'd freeze to death to burn up. I mean, Jesus, God says, God says, uh, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who measure, who determined its dimensions? I love this. And stretch out the surveying line. What supports its foundation? And who laid its cornerstone? Amen? As a morning star sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Can you imagine when God spoke this earth and this world into existence? How the angels and the morning stars, woo, hallelujah, they begin to sing out. What a great creation. All of the universe, the stars, the Milky Way. Oh, it just, oh, it just happened. It was just, no, it didn't. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it bursts from the womb? <laughs> you go down to the coast, the Atlantic, Pacific, and all these seas. You know how powerful that water is? You know how it could destroy the whole coast, even the whole continent? That water is so powerful, but it goes so far. And it starts to wave. Who said, you stay right here. <laughs> Don't you go any farther. Wow. Who kept the sea inside the boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness. For I looked it, locked it rather behind barred gates, limiting its shore. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Praise God. I said, this is God. This far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. 
Man didn't do that. Man couldn't do that. He can't control nothing like that. But God Almighty controls the oceans and the sea and the water and everything that is, he controls that. Oh, I love this. I love this. Look at verse 38, verse 22. I'm going to switch to the NIV, Tammy. I'm probably got you climbing the wall back there. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail? Someone said that every snowflake was different than the other snowflakes, that no snowflake was just alike. I was reading the one report said, we found one, we found it in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Every snowflake has six sides. You ought, to, you ought to read how it's formed. Who did that? Who brought forth the hail? Third 28 and 29. Does the rain have a father? Man's been trying for years to know how to make it rain. The rain has a father, and it's God Almighty. He's the one that tells the rain to come here and not go here. And does the rain have a father? Whose father? Who's, who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? All this, all this. And man thinks he's so smart. But all of this is produced by God himself. He has it all under control. 33 and 35. Do you know the laws of heaven? Of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of waters? Do you send the, I love this one. Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you and say, here I am? Did you know that a lightning bolt is much, much hotter than the surface of the sun? How quick and powerful that lightning bolt is. A lightning bolt usually travels 224,000 miles per hour. I believe it. You won't run from it. God sent all of this. Verse 1 of 39. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? I mean, this is just... Blowing, this is just blowing your mind. You know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the, uh, the doe bears her young? Do you know the moment of conception? Who's there when there's no one there for that mountain goat? Animals give birth. Who takes care of it? Almighty God. Almighty God, verse 5. Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied their robes? 13. Gavest thou the godly wings unto the peacock? Or wings and feathers unto the ostrich? You know, few things are as amazing in this life, in this world, as a migration of birds. Do you know some birds migrate 50 55,000 miles. 
Did you know the albatross, he flies out to the sea? Do you know how long he, he's out there without going to land? Flies most of the time? Five years. Wow. God, how, did, how does all this happen? I mean, put that down in your calculator. Five years. He's flying around. The only time they come to land is when they want to make, have, you know, five years. Verse 26 and 27. Doth the hawk fly by thy wisdom and stretch her wings toward the south? Does the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? Listen to me. Listen to me. You study birds. We have two hummingbird feeders right at our window. We just love watching those. I mean, they're just beautiful, beautiful birds. Did you know the hummingbird is the only bird that can fly backwards? I mean, amazing how God Almighty, and when we think we're somebody and we've got it all figured out and we know what should be and shouldn't be, God says, wait a minute, listen, I want to talk to you. It'd be good if all of us would listen to him more than we talk ourselves. Amen? It's important that we listen to the Almighty God that created all of these things. When you, when you and I begin to delve into the sovereignty of Almighty God, our fears begin to fade away. God begins to move into our lives and take care of the things that bother us, the things that create fear and anxiety. And God Almighty that created all of these things, that spoke this world and this universe into existence. And the God that can be there when you're hurt and when the doctors have given you a bad report and, the doctor, and God Almighty, the sovereignty of God, can speak into your ears, speak into your heart and say, Peace, be still. I'm talking about the one that, I'm not talking about some other God, the one that created all things. I mean, if God can do all of these things, he can take care of me. He can take care of you. You said, I don't know how Job did it. He did it and trusted God and had faith in God. He had faith in God. And the Bible says, listen to this, as they come for us to play and sing. Listen to this. The second part of Job's life, he had double what he had at the beginning. Isn't that something? God's going to bless you in spite of the attacks on your life. God's going to bless you in spite of the lies of the devil. And you say, Brother Don, this is a hard time for America. With the coronavirus and all the adjustments that we're having to make, and people afraid to do this, and don't get me wrong, we need to certainly to be cautious. We're afraid to go here and afraid to go there. But God Almighty's hand is on my in your life, and the one that said, Let there be light, and there was light, is the one that speaks to you and I the peace that passes understanding. Can you say amen?
This song blesses me. And I believe it's going to speak to your heart. If you're struggling, if you've been dealing with fear lately, fear about your physical well-being, fear about whether you're going to get the next uh, all the money that, that seemed like has just faded away because the lack of having jobs. No matter. Don't be afraid. Listen at the words of this song. You Oh, yes, you do.
We've been liberated. Hallelujah. You're liberated today by faith in God. split oh hallelujah God is touching you by faith tell the devil no longer a slave I can walk right through it I can walk right through it you rescued Sing it with faith. Come on. I am. Sing it. Oh, somebody's being set free right now. Come on. Receive it in Jesus' name. I speak it in faith. I'm no longer. Now today, if you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You can. You say, Pastor, what does it mean to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? It means believing in Him. It means accepting Him by faith. It means confessing your sins. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. Ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and to set you free. If you'll do that, you'll know him as your personal Savior. You'll be a candidate for heaven. If you're here today, you know you're a believer, a Christian today, but you've been struggling in an area. You might say, preacher, what can the Lord do for me? And I don't abuse this saying that, Almost three years ago, the doctors gave me three months to live. I had stage four cancer, and the doctor said, hey, you can make it maybe three. If you make it three months, you'll be lucky. 
But I don't call it luck. I call it healing. Hallelujah. You see, what can the, what can the Lord do for me? Listen, if he split the seas so the Israelites could walk right through it, there's nothing he can't do for you. I want you to sing that one more time. He split the seas. And when we sing that, I want you to receive from God as, as the Holy Spirit ministers to you. My fears are drowned. Spirit, come on. You split the you split the Hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord. Say it. I am a child of God. child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Hallelujah. Somebody shout to the Lord. Sing it, girl. Sing it. One more time. I'm no longer. I feel some burdens have lifted here today. God has touched your life today. If he's touched your life, tell somebody about it this week. If you accepted Christ as your Savior, come up and see me after the service. I've got a little book I want to give to you. It means a lot to accept Christ. We still need people to receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. God's still in the saving business. He's not about Stop saving people. I'm no longer a slave to feed. Say it in faith. Everybody. I am. I'm no longer. Sing it in faith right now. I'm no longer a 
When fear comes and knocks on your door this week, sin fail. Fear will have to go. We come against the fear that the enemy is trying to discourage people, and we pray for complete liberty, complete faith, complete deliverance in the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Let's wait just a moment to see if anything else the Lord wants to do here today. Hallelujah. Thank God. I want to dismiss with this prayer. Father, again, we thank you for all of our young men and women, children that's in school. We just join with Christ's prayer that she prayed earlier. And we believe that you're going to be with every student. You're going to be, dear God, with every mom, every dad, every family. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you bless those attending Duke University. God, we pray for the leaders, the professors. We pray for the students. We pray for Central today that you might bless the leadership there, that all of those involved in teaching, the students, Durham Tech, we ask you, God, to bless. We pray for the students and the staff at NC State that you would bless them. And Lord, all of our high schools, all of our elementary schools, God, we pray for all of our students for their protection. We pray against this pandemic we pray against dear God this plague in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth protect our people in Jesus name we pray and everybody says God bless you have a great day